0: You want me to do the intro? Do the intro. Okay. We're on, um, what are we on, Wednesday? We're on Wednesday, go. Whatever Wednesday, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Whatever Wednesday on the 2 Age Sojourner Podcast. Boom. <laughs>
0: All right, bro. So we're doing this on your phone. It's like, yeah, It's on your phone. It's chowing your data, but it's and it's like midnight. So it's this is a radical extreme podcasting it, going on over it here. It
1: is extreme, but it's, you've uh, you've caught me musing over my uh, hermeneutics textbook for my ah oh, nice uh, for my degree. So cool.
0: That's a perfect whatever Wednesday thing.
1: One time, yeah. Yeah, The other thing
0: is, um, I just read your blog as well, and I was thinking the pastoral care uh, thing, I really want to hit that at some point. Okay,
1: cool. So, Uh, either
0: way, you know, but let's do hermeneutics if you're musing there.
1: Well, I'm musing on hermeneutics on uh, whether or not the New Testament serves the Old Testament, and I'm also um, thinking about uh, various other bits and pieces but that's that's a good one to go to
0: whether the new testament interprets the old
1: testament <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> bro this is a podcast for christians <laughs> we, we, yeah. we, well mike we, we've had the discussion about dispensationalism haven't we well we we come into this with a certain set of expectations bro. you know like people do
0: believe in jesus and they do believe in the most basic of all forms of hermeneutic you know like the Newton. i don't
1: I don't get it I don't it's i've got to i've got to somehow write a, a master's level essay on this <laughs> and i don't i i just like i'm like read luke 24 like it's, it's, i just don't know what else to say oh boy um, it's like you're wrong because all of the bible says you're wrong i, don't, I mean i don't know I don't know how. Yeah, how do you argue that you should you should interpret? I mean, apart from that, like anybody, anybody who has preached through the Old Testament knows that there is no way that you end up um, just you know, getting to some of the interpretations, apostolic interpretations in the New Testament. Mm. Like, unless they were interpreted for us, Mm. we would never have arrived at the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Like, that now, for a Bible-believing Christian, that alone should tell you, like, the New Testament interprets the Old. Yeah, agreed. So I'm 100% uh, sold on that one. Yeah. I I don't really think it's in any way not clear in the Bible. But I guess what is in, um, in the minds of people is that in any normal interpretive system, you are thinking about the original context of the hearers. You know, oh. what would they have understood? Yeah, yeah. And, and saying something like the New Testament interprets the Old Testament seems to bypass normal historical grammatical Right. Rules, right. you know, right? So, I, I guess that's the issue. I guess, I guess, it's about saying, can you still actually be a faithful interpreter of the Old Testament in and of itself if you are using the Old Testament to translate uh, the New Testament to interpret the Old Testament? Yeah. And um, I, what, So, I, I think, I guess, I guess, that's the other side, the other yeah. side of the story. Yeah. Um. And I think, and I and I do think that there is a danger in using the Old Testament. Uh, using the New Testament to interpret the Old too quickly, you mm-hmm. know, before mm-hmm. before we let the Old Testament speak for itself. So, I think I think an awesome example of this mm-hmm. is um, the sign of Emmanuel mm-hmm. in Isaiah seven. Mm-hmm. Or Isaiah seven to nine. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a famous Christmas text. We know you know, every Christmas card in town has something about Emmanuel on it. Mm-hmm. And we know that it means the virgin shall conceive and give birth. To, I mean, it means God with us. But we know that it has something to do with the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and you read that and you think, well, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's a 700-odd-year-old prophecy about Jesus explicitly, except then when you go to read Isaiah 7, yeah, you know, I was. Man, this has got nothing to do with Jesus. It's mm-hmm. got to do with Ahaz mm-hmm. and uh, the the um, Syrians and the uh, the you know um, what do you call them? The Northern Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean the, nor- the Northern Kingdom, and then the the Syrians, and and they're forming this kind of partnership, and they're going to attack. They're going to attack Judah. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a, a promise made to Ahaz, a sign mm. given to Ahaz. Like, so stick you it think, to him,
0: stick it to him, stick with your guns. The Lord will come yeah, through. Yeah. Don't,
1: yeah. don't go to Egypt, don't go to Assyria, don't yeah. try and make some political alliance. Just absolutely do nothing at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to come in and this. rescue. Yeah, Yeah. test me on this. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, so, the, so at first I can understand why that would be perplexing. Mm. You know, Mm. and if you're just relying on the New Testament, you start to wonder, hang on, am I actually, is the New Testament being faithful to the Old Testament? And that's Mm. why you have books like that, Mm. the New Testament use of the old and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: Oh, no, totally. I mean, it's a a big thing. Um, The whole... Okay, so I mean, I think even just to push that a little bit further, you know, yeah, you definitely got the Isaiah thing and many other texts like it, but I'm thinking also things like uh, Matthew, you know, when, um, when he'll say, like, um, you know, and Jesus returned from Egypt and this was to fulfill, you know, and it's just like, yeah. dude, really? Oh. You know, uh, and, um, <laughs> and so. You know he's
1: written an awesome essay on that particular one. Who? Is the dispensational guy, Daryl Bach.
0: Oh, yeah. I I like Daryl.
1: Yeah, well, like you pointed out, he's progressive. So he's he's basically a Reformed Baptist. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: In a, in a, in a, in a. He's Calvinist. Listen, he's, this yeah. is what you told me. This is what no, yeah, I'm no. walking
1: around telling people this now because you said dispensation, the Salon, our team. Yeah, look, I like Daryl Black. He's good. Uh,
0: okay. It's just, uh, you know, they, they um, yeah, well, look, we've covered that <laughs> already. So, so I'm not, not going to oh. retrack on that one. But um, yes. Daryl Buck's good. Yeah, he's, Buck, I, lo- I love his
1: scholarship. He's written a great one on s- s- like the the Gospels and uh, the not only the New Testament use of the Old, but also in like, supposed contradictions in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just an essay basically talking about different levels of fulfillment and different uh-huh. types of fulfillment. Uh-huh. So we we tend to think of... of the fulfillment, yeah. When yeah, like prediction uh-huh. and the coming to pass of the predicted events. Yes, but actually fulfillment doesn't work like no, that. No, not, uh, well, not all the time.
0: Yes, yeah, that's a great point. Well, I mean, the the census planner, as it sometimes is called. So basically, the the whole idea of there being a fuller meaning behind that which was said uh, in light yeah. of the the events of the New Testament, um, or or an echoed meaning or something along those lines. Um, and so yeah, I think that's key point. Um, what I was going to say with that, though, in terms of mm-hmm. um, the whole thing, is even let's say you let's say you, you're stuck on something, you know, you get whatever. We could choose any one of these passages, and um, mm-hmm. and you just don't know how it works, you know. Which I think yeah. for me often happens, you know, and then I have to work through it. Um, my undergirding sort of drive there is not is not hey, I'm gonna first figure out. You know, how if I can figure it out and then move forward with that hermeneutic, uh, I'm coming to it based on the reality that Jesus said it was all about him, you know, and forever warped and changed every part of our hermeneutic mm-hmm. um, or at least made sure we don't fall into the the problematic hermeneutic that was, uh, which I think uh, I'm afraid that, that many people would sometimes be very happy with in Old Testament Israel, um, you know, which was leaving Jesus completely out of it. You know, and yeah. and so yeah,
1: they'd be happy with it in a
0: synagogue. They'd be happy with it in a synagogue, and you have a lot of um, guys today who are pushing for a, a historical grammatical exegesis. Um, mm-hmm. That yeah, well, you know, would quite happily uh, take the text in its context in the Old Testament or whatever, and and just work it through, it just like a sausage making machine. You know, spit it out through their principles, and no Jesus there, and they're happy with that. That's what Jesus rebuked, which tells me. That it's not complete. The, the historical mm-hmm. grammatical thing is not the end of the story. It has to be, uh, as I think, um, you know, many reformed um, hermeneutics guys have said, it's got to you got to have a redemptive historical el- element to that. So mm-hmm. historical grammatical is only the very small starting point. Uh, then you add your biblical theology to arrive at your full exegesis, you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and part, and then yeah certainly the the overriding hermeneutic on it all simply because Christ told us so, you know <laughs> and now yeah. has so we we almost come to it with the assumption that hey we've already worked through the who Jesus is thing, you know and uh, yeah. and having come to our uh, it reminds me a little bit just to switch channels there for a second you know i'm not I'm not worried about Noah being a real person or uh, an ark or anything, you know, if Jesus mentions it, it's good, you know? Um, I'm not worried about um, anything that Jesus has affirmed as true as being false. And so I get a little shortcut through Jesus by determining who Jesus is, you know? Um, And it might be that there's a whole lot of stuff to think through, how it can be true but it's on the, the safety net is there because you've already worked through the person of jesus and so um yeah. you know that's what worries me about the history you want to somehow we've landed on a historical grammatical hermeneutic and you know f- sure i mean that's how you would read a book or you know whatever mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense and it's logical but it, it's not it's not the end of the story and like to insist on those principles um, as we said in the beginning, you know, despite very clear books of the New Testament and the apostolic, um, uh, very clear process of interpreting uh, the Old through the New is just, um, you know, it feels arrogant, it feels crazy to me to do that, you know, to just, uh, no, we'll just camp out here, we'll camp out on our historical grammatical exegesis, forget what the New Testament says. I think where this comes to the, the big... Um, Forefront point for me is just on the new covenant Itself they take the historical Grammatical exegesis of Jeremiah You know yeah and Who is he speaking to He's speaking to Israel you know If that's going to be and and who did Jesus Make the the new covenant with you know Uh, He included Mm. Gentiles Oh well there we go must be a different new covenant I mean that's that's the Reductio ad absurdum right there You know
1: yeah yeah. I mean, there's a number of levels like, like you just first of all, you get to, you know, what just at a textual level, you're just re- you're just reading the Bible and you get to verses like in is it John six where he says, you know, you study the scriptures because you think they contain eternal life. But these yeah. scriptures testify about me. yeah. And obviously the scriptures he's talking about there is the Old Testament. And those so.
0: scriptures individually also have a historical grammatical context. So you can yeah. easily follow the principles today that some people are advocating for and go, oh, let's interpret the old in light of the old, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And,
0: and you would fall directly into the crosshair of that rebuke, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah you, totally. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and yet, and yet, there's this this kind of tragic irony that if you if you on the other hand if you ignore it you lose some of right, the right you you lose some of the the flavor or the texture of the fullness of the, fullness so of the, the, color, the yeah. thing exactly mm, the, mm. the Emmanuel thing like mm. um, we don't we don't understand in the, in the New Testament it just kind of makes a reference to it mm. because it assumes that the reader knows something about mm, that prophecy. Mm. Mm. And um, and if you go back and you look at Isaiah 7, you see, it, you see that the Emmanuel child mm-hmm. was not only going to be a sign of deliverance, a sign of salvation. He's mm-hmm. also going to be a sign of judgment to those who reject him. Mm-hmm. So, t- so to those who have faith in God alone to save without doing any works, mm. um, the sign of Emmanuel is a sign of, of blessing. Yeah. But to those who seek to work for their salvation, The sign of Emmanuel is a sign of judgment. And you would miss that unless you went historical grammatical first. Yes. You know, what does it mean to them then? Right. And then say, then what does that meaning have for us today? Yeah. And obviously we need the New Testament's help for that. So so just at a textual level, you come across those verses and you think, okay, well, what do I do with... um, when it says Emmanuel, and then I go back to Isaiah 7, and it doesn't seem to be talking about the same thing. And the answer is, actually, it is talking about the same thing. It just It's saying more about the sign of Emmanuel than you thought. Yeah. That's all. You yeah. know? That's um, so if, you, if you're reading both of those passages correctly in their context then you are you are getting the whole picture. But the problem is sometimes we arrive at historical grammatical conclusions that actually aren't correct. Yeah, you know, we've just got it right.
0: we've got it wrong somewhere. Or we've way. got a very small part of it or something like that. Yeah, a very yeah. small part of it yeah. or
1: something like that. And then um, and then when we get to the new testament we think, oh the new testament's made a mistake because mm. it doesn't match up with my historical grammatical understanding of it. Mm. And that's and that's just like a you know a fallacy. Um, yeah so
0: so when you get to that point and what we're saying that's kind of what we were saying earlier, because often that happens yeah too i mean i'll get to the point where i do think oh my goodness oh my goodness the new testament made a mistake you know the the catch point there for me is to go no no (laughs) no no the new testament didn't make a mistake in fact i did you know and that's what that's what drives me and and i I think i have good reason to think that way based on the credibility of jesus in the new testament um and and so it drives me nuts when people don't do that though They, they start going oh well yeah, sorry about that New Testament, you know um, mm-hmm. I think we'll just roll with what we got But, you know, I just, on, on the point that you made there With regard to the fuller, sort of deepened out understanding If you do get that historical grammatical exegesis right Or let's say you then go back and you dig deeper And you try and figure out how this could possibly be related or And then you find it Yeah, usually exactly what you've just described It's just a, a wealth, a treasure trove of of of, of, of it, it just gives you nothing but the greatest sense of adoration yeah. and worship that, you know, wow, God knows what he's doing every single time. Yeah. And, you know, every hard text is like that. You just sort of dig yeah. it, you chew it, and uh, it, it, it brings the most flavor at the end of the day. Um, Absolutely. But then, you know, the thing is, I think what, what, just again, to kind of illustrate what people are concerned with, is that sometimes they're, they're worried about allegory. Or alle- yeah. uh, allegorizing the new or the Old Testament to the to try and squish it into some sort of um, New Testament, you know, truth, <laughs> and you know, and what we're saying here is that that's not what we're arguing for. Um, you might have at <clears throat> at best things like prophetic idiom, um, mm-hmm. but that's again just a taking of the text seriously in its own context. It's a, if it's an idiom, then you've got to take it idiomatically, not literally. That's different Absolutely. to to an allegory. Where, where I'm just saying yes. okay this text might be saying something completely different in a at a yeah. historical level I don't even care about that historical level I'm just going to make a turn I'm going to turn it into like my own version of a parable to illustrate this yeah. principle which is bad
1: Yeah I, I well I think I think that's exactly right and I think the parables are a good example um because there is there's quite a lot of um uh, there's quite a lot of popularity today about saying, "Oh, you know," reinterpreting the uh, the parables. Like, for example, the prodigal of the, uh, the the parable of the prodigal son, mm. or prodigal sons, mm. and and to say things like, you know, um, uh, you know, you can be the father in in the parable. Yeah. And it forgets though that even though a parable may have more than one meaning. In a, in isolation, mm-hmm. they come within a context in the New Testament, which yeah. constrains the meaning. Uh-huh. So you you have to uh, you have to follow the parable not just as a parable uh, itself, the pericope, yeah. mm. not just as an isolated text mm-hmm. th- that's in a vacuum, but it comes within an argument, it comes within a, a context, mm-hmm. and that shapes the meaning of what you're meant to take away from the parable. Mm. So you know, it, as we as most of us, um, I think have heard by now, the 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 parable, of the prodigal son, really the sharp end of it is the second son, because yeah. it was a parable spoken to the Pharisees. Mm. But um
0: Have you heard Tim Keller's uh, prodigal God? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like what does he say again? Oh, the word prodigal can also mean just abundant and generous uh, generous or something like that. And um What? I think like, yeah, no, yeah, he takes like a different air like God is the one who's being so we think of prodigal as in wayward, you know, and um, the, the sun just went ballista just went uh, cray cray you know and um, uh, okay. and prodigal can have another meaning or something like that I can't remember the argument of how he got there but
1: right okay no maybe I haven't read it then sorry I must have been yeah. thinking of something else it's, but, a, um, it's, it's a good book it makes
0: a good point but yeah it might it might um, yeah but it you might see, just parables can do that parables
1: yeah. can open up different levels of understanding but the problem is when you're, when you're trying to figure out what that parable is doing, say, within Luke, mm. you know, you've, it comes within a context. Mm-hmm. And um, and that constrains what we're allowed to take away from what Luke's intention was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, at, at another level, so like just from pure Bible reading, we've mm-hmm. said that you've got to understand the New Testament is interpreting the old. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself does this mm-hmm. on the road to Emmaus mm-hmm. with the two disciples, and he mm-hmm. says, beginning with Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, he taught them all that you know what the scripture said concerning himself, mm-hmm. and so you've got you've got that. So it's it's link it's linked to that. You've mm. also got this pattern, this biblical theological pattern mm. in the New Testament, where you get things like Corinthians, where it says the rock was Christ, or they were baptized uh, yeah. with the same baptism we were baptized with, and you yeah. just you know you, you just cannot you cannot walk away from something like that thinking. You know, or even just stuff like Abraham and thinking we are Abraham's children, you know, the Romans 4, Galatians 3 thing. Yeah, oh,
0: totally. You, know, you, yeah. you,
1: you know, even all that stuff. You Hebrews, think, well, you know. Yeah, Hebrew, Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews. Yeah. Exactly. The whole book of Hebrews is, is telling you that, you, you know, the, the, in the light ter- of the revelation of Christ. <laughs>
0: Stop interpreting the old in light of the old. <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, isn't say. that more
1: or less the point? Of it is. It's
0: like, and if you keep doing that, you're going to be in trouble. So stop it. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> stop it. Stop it now. But the, the other thing, um, the other level that I think is really interesting is that just at a pure doctrine of Scripture level, like so, even at a systematic theology level, mm. the doctrine of Scripture necessitates that you read the old and the light of the new. Mm. Uh, um, and because, you know, doctrine of Scripture is that it's a human book. You know, mm-hmm. so our method of inspiration is not dictation or um, sort of some sort of um, possession mm-hmm. of the biblical author or anything mm-hmm. like that, but that it came through human authors, and so that's where our historical grammatical stuff comes in, because mm-hmm. we're thinking about real human authors in real human context and time and space, and and how their messages intended to connect with a particular audience, and that's very important, but. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Doctrine of Scripture goes beyond that. It's mm-hmm. not just uh, human authors. It's a divine book with a single author. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you're expecting one unified message. Mm-hmm. And so you have to read the whole Bible together as one unified message. At very minimum, and yeah, therefore, yeah. At very minimum. And yeah. so, at very minimum, you, the Doctrine of Scripture necessitates that you have to be reading the old and the new in continuity, not just not just as in a building block. You know, like one block and then, or one brick and then another brick built on top of that. But mm. as, in, as in, it must contain the same message, the mm. same God, the same salvation, the same, um, you know, it is a unified message that comes from a unified God.
0: Mm. Sounds good. Yeah, you get pushback from both the dispensational guys and the Pedobaptist um, reform guys on this issue. In that you know we know the dispensational thing already
1: yeah um, yeah
0: but the uh, reform guys also i mean they, they they want to you know we get to the point where we're like hey guys uh you can stop baptizing your kids now you or stop uh, you know applying the covenant signs your kids that was typological we know now <laughs> we know how it all mm-hmm. fuf- is fulfilled and, and they they insist that we um we continue to interpret the new covenant in light of the paradigm laid down in uh something uh, uh well not not the Old Covenant in terms of Mosaic Covenant but at least the Old Testament in terms of the um Abrahamic covenant and they um they, yeah they won't give each covenant its own due, at you know at minimum but but yeah. certainly it becomes a problem when you start flattening scripture out you don't see its sense of fulfillment and continuity and you know and um yeah yeah so and discontinuity at least you know yeah totally. types of God so again Hebrews you know um, yeah,
1: again, Hebrews, absolutely. Man, yeah. there's
0: so much we could talk about in terms of deepest. I mean, like, I think we should come back to this though. It's census planner, uh, prophet, prophetic idiom, just all very, very key points in terms of over-realized eschatology, underrealized eschatology. All of these things come into mm-hmm. play, I think, mm-hmm. when um, you get to those little like controversial points of why people have taken different turns in their overarching mm-hmm. systems. So it might be good to might be good to come back to some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: But Good talk. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, well, you know what you need to do? You need to take this podcast, rewind it, play it over, write it down, make it your paper, submit it, get an A.
1: <laughs> totally. That's what, that we do. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm busy rereading um, Kingdom Through Covenant. Oh, nice. Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought, I mean, I didn't think it, it actually in the end, the summary in the end. Con- you know its conclusion. I didn't think actually arrived at anything particularly in- insightful. No, but yeah, it was, it was just a
0: very. It was almost like in- if you had never heard of-, of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's good.
0: If you had never heard of biblical theology, it would be a great like, yeah. wow, look how it's all one big story. That's freaking epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. Yeah, so, yeah, but it, it didn't really bring anything to the table. I thought. But- and it was just what it was doing was trying to like market itself to, I think, a more dispensational sort of crowd saying, look, look, there's something into the, something about this unity thing, you know?
1: So um, I heard on a, on a podcast you asked Chris about five books you take on an island. Yeah, but let's do that in the next one. Because I, wanna, well, I, need, I need Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I just right. want to say, uh, for folk listening to this, okay. they may want one recommendation, what to go and read, in order to yes. to help them see how important it is to read. Yes. Yes. So hermeneutics, biblical theology, anything like that that you think would be a key to open the door to understanding, reading the Old Testament in the light of the new.
0: Well, what do you think? I'm thinking Carson's book is just immediately popping to mind. What What do you think? uh carson's book yeah the, which one are you thinking of interpreting uh what's it called again um, oh that one yes right
1: um well i haven't actually read that so I don't Oh, it's incredibly good it just deals I, i've heard i've heard great things about it yeah, yeah. so i think it's called, i was thinking according to plan by graham's gold graham goldsworthy
0: really. i used to like that i never
1: uh, you don't like it
0: it's just it. okay here's, here's my description of that one um Again, it's very much like kingdom through covenant in that if you just didn't have any idea of biblical theology, you come into it and you're like, "Oh wow, no ways!" You know, look at that. Um, yeah. but it's like, and then you get onto something like Klein or Voss or anything. And it's like, you come back to you Goldsworthy and it's like it's like, a, two,
1: yeah, it's like, it's like eating a,
0: it's like it's like eating a, a sandwich with no, with no butter or anything on it. It's just like, <laughs> it's a cunt. It's like, wow, he's got the two
1: pieces of bread and that's awesome. Yeah, but, but You can't, you can't do that because so, <laughs> it's just different level. Okay. Like, so, uh, so. The if reason you wanna, I recommended Goldsworthy, because yeah. he was the guy who really opened my eyes to Biblical theology Okay so we're talking so Like a, super a, a,
0: basic level Hermeneutics or whatever Yeah so
1: I'm thinking Entry level I'm thinking guys who, To You know To whom this is new Okay And they're thinking I want to get a crack at this
0: Hmm Yeah Um Right Now there's a good book Let me think about this Um
1: You're thinking Vaughn Roberts maybe
0: Maybe Vaughn Roberts God's big picture Um
1: But yeah uh, I preferred According to Plan though Did you I don't know why. Yeah I, I did, just had yeah. A little bit
0: more Substance there Um Phone rabbits, I like the way it's set up. Though it's just got very nice compartments, and you feel like you can track really easily. Uh, Goldsworthy felt a little bit all over the place to me with these diagrams, and you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I'm almost thinking like actually, what I would do in this case is, is oh, you know what I would do. Actually, what? this is going to be a very counterintuitive recommendation.
1: You go commentary on Hebrews, or no, no,
0: no. Um, but it is very. Um, it's called a Reformed Baptist Manifesto. Okay. Oh, and the thing is about this thing is it, 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 it you'll get you'll get the, the the issue of hermeneutics perfectly outlaid v- by way of where it matters. So in other words, he deals one chapter how this herm- what what is the problem with the dispensational hermeneutic, and he, he'll deal with that, and then he'll deal what is the problem with the the the, the covenantal. Um, or the pedobaptist hermeneutic, and you'll deal with that. But it's all under the same theme of hermeneutics, you know? So I'll get to the New Mm -hmm. Covenant um, uh, movement and, and deal with the same thing there. And so it's like, even if you don't care about any of that stuff, it forms a great, like, like well-written, singly unified sort of treaties on on hermeneutics in in contemporary application, um, but it also is handy in that in that you might actually be looking at one issue with regard to one particular you know viewpoint like dispensationalism or paedobaptism, and uh, in that case it's very helpful as well. And you can get it on paperback for one forty-two from Amazon, one dollar. What the heck? Really? I don't know why that is. Uh, what, a reformed Baptist? Who's the author? Uh, that is uh, Sam Aldrin and Richard Barcellas.
1: Right, okay. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, it's very, very good.
0: It's um I would say that's been like the best intro I've ever looked at. It's only 124 pages. You blitz through it, but it's just packed with pure gold.
1: Mm, I'm reading your uh, John Gill book, by the way. It, oh yeah? I'm still yeah, I'm just it's it's my toilet read at the uh, moment. So like every time <laughs> I'm on the left. It's you good, know? isn't hey, it? Hey, look, to- toilet readings, you know, it's an important part of our reading reading program, isn't it? Uh, uh, nah. Especially for me, because I'm on there for like 45 yeah, minutes.
0: Can't, can't can't comment. Don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just, when I'm in the toilet, I'm doing business, bro. I'm getting it done. <laughs> no, you, well, you're in and out of there like five minutes. Yeah. I don't even know. Totally. It's just not even a thing. It's it's like, for what? me, it's a, a press. I'm on a mission. I've got lots like like of like I've got plenty of reading time. <laughs> <laughs> I get cool. through whole books. you enjoying the Gil <laughs> thing, the Ripon thing? I, I am enjoying it, yeah. Cool. I, I realize, yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a serious gun, actually. What an amazing I story, I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So I'm, I am enjoying it. I think, um, and if anyone starts to read it and they think, they find the kind of slightly archaic language, mm-hmm. a bit off-putting at first, just push through because you, you get into the groove. Yeah, and I've and taken all, all of the
0: Latin out, so there's none of that. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, appreciative of that. Yeah, so, totally. No, you missed one. There they was they, I read a Latin phrase the other day. Oh, uh, did I? Yeah, yeah. I had to. I had to Google it, but it's okay because I enjoyed googling it. I <laughs> got to discover it. Added nothing at all to the contribution. There was like a whole page of Latin that I had to take out. <laughs> was it? <was, laughs> yeah.
0: Um, all right, bro. Uh, let's cut it on this one. Um, thanks for joining okay, us. Cool.
1: Yeah. No problem.